guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Retired College Athletes Podcast, a podcast designed to inspire and inform the next generation of female college athletes. As always, I'm your host, Sydney Umeri, and today we're getting into a conversation I had with a good friend of mine, Lauren Brown. Lauren went to Elon University on a women's basketball scholarship and honestly had a wonderful, wonderful career there. She took the team to two championships as well as graduated from there is currently in medical school and is on the board at Elon, which we will, of course, discuss in the podcast. She hit on a lot of awesome things in this podcast. I just want to touch on a few just to kind of prep you for what this conversation was about. But she talked a lot about being your own advocate during the recruiting process. I think that's huge. My recruiting process was, I guess, quite typical in terms of what people would think recruiting is like. You know, the coaches reach out to you and that's that. But I think what people don't realize is for a lot of women in multiple different sports, it is kind of on you to express interest to those coaches. And so she talks a little bit about being your own advocate and how important that is. Also, she, of course, had a science-based degree. She's currently in medical school. You can't just hop into medical school. You have to have this body of work that you work towards in your undergrad to kind of get there. And so she speaks a little bit about what it looks like to be an athlete as well as pursuing a major that is considered quite hard and and rigorous and so that's something that I personally cannot speak towards I tried I was honestly started out in college as a pre-med major and quickly turned it to the to the arts Um, I ended up being a major in media studies uh, with a focus more so on journalism and Lauren did not do that she kind of stuck it out in the sciences and has honestly gone on to do wonderful things and so it's just interesting about her conversation about the need for transparency in the recruiting process, explaining to your coaches what you want to do, explaining how important it is to you so that they understand coming in. Because I think sometimes we forget that the coaches that are recruiting us, this is their livelihood and their job is to create winning teams. And so it's important that they understand your goals and what they what they should kind of be looking forward to as you matriculate into the team. But overall, I really think that this was an awesome episode. I learned a lot along the way, and I'm sure you will too. So I can't wait to talk to you on the other side of it. So I'll start um, actually in middle school. I dibbled and dabbled in a lot of different athletics. I had an older brother and at the time he was just my idol. So everything that he'd do, I want to do. But I started to really enjoy basketball a little bit more. I think maybe when I was in the eighth grade and I got more serious about it, started dedicating a lot more time to basketball. And a lot of my friends also played basketball. So I feel like that also had a, a big influence on why I decided to play basketball, to be honest. I felt like it was fun sport and I was pretty decent at it. Um, Once I entered high school, I realized how competitive women's basketball was. I think I didn't, I enjoyed it, but didn't take it as seriously in middle school. Once I got to high school, I was surrounded with a lot of individuals that even my, you know, freshman year in high school wanted to pursue college athletics. And so I think that shaped my perspective as well. Once I got to high school, I had an awesome coach for my first three years and she was a female herself. She played women's basketball in college and just kind of talked about her experience and how she was able to, you know, become a college player. So I got a lot of great information from her. Played throughout high school. I enjoyed it. I played on different AAU teams where I was able to meet Sid. And I personally think, especially in high school, even though I knew I wanted to play, I think a little later on in college, I really enjoyed the relationships that I had formed 
for my team. And I, I knew that was something that I wanted to continue on. And so played AAU, I think it was my junior year is really your big summer in terms of, you know, connecting with schools and really narrowing down your options if you are looking to play in college. Definitely. So that summer I was communicating with, you know, playing, you go to exposure events, talking to different coaches and was re- I received actually my first basketball offer my after my sophomore year from Mercer in Georgia smaller school as well mm-hmm. and once I got my first offer I you know I was hyped I was right. like no one's paying for college this is wonderful right. um and so at that point I'm like this is this is great this is it um felt like I continued to work hard and my junior year got more offers from typically or majority of smaller schools gotcha okay cool and so your recruiting process had a lot to do with AAU and yes you said along the way you had female coach that kind of coached yes. you along yes can you talk a little bit about a little bit about how that kind of helped you because I know that's kind of the premise for what this podcast exists yes. where we want to inform these girls and so can you talk a little bit about like how that really helped you along yes. in your process I think mentorship really that that's what a, a coach is a mentor it's how I view or every relationship I have with my coach um, has been a mentorship type relationship and I think that that is one of the most powerful relationships you can have just in terms of understanding the dedication, the steps, the things that you need to do to get into a certain position that you're wanting to go. And I think my situation was slightly unique because I was actually really lucky to be all of my friends I played with. They were all pretty big time athletes, had you know goals of going to larger schools and were being recruited in, um, by larger schools at that point. And so, especially early on in my career, I felt like I was a pretty decent player, but realized that I was probably going to be going to a smaller school. My high school coach, she actually played at a smaller school in Georgia, so she knew about that process and explained how, you know, that recruiting process. In terms of a lot of times, it's okay to, you know, reach out to schools and things like that. If a smaller school offers you in the conference and you're interested in maybe going to another one, you shouldn't have an issue reaching out to the coach. And that was something I would have never even thought about doing. And occurred, and I ended up getting offers from schools that my dad actually had con- contacted. Wow. I mean, that's good to know. Just because my recruiting process wasn't exactly like that. And I think I get a lot of questions from girls that are asking, like, can I email them? Can I? And so I guess you said your dad reached out to them. Was it usually through email and things like that? Mostly through email. And I know, I mean, the NCAA just has so many different rules and regulations that are consistently changing. But I, I think if you're ever in unable to contact a coach for whatever reason, it wouldn't necessarily be on you as an individual. I think the school would reach back out to you and they, they'll like post those dates and times, but email, even social media, which I think can be kind of difficult. You know, I had messages from coaches on Facebook and things like that. But if you, I remember I at one point had got an offer from a school in the Southern Conference and I was really interested in Davidson because it's a great academic school. Definitely. And my dad reached out to the coach coach came to one of my high school games and I got an offer from Davidson. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I think that's good to know just because I think sometimes people don't realize the agency that they have in deciding where they want to go. Granted, if you want to go to a UConn, it's very much on UConn to come in front of you. Exactly. They're not, you know, you writing a letter is not going to do much. But for the most part, if we're talking about people getting their education paid for and playing the sport that they love, you can do that on a number of levels. Elon is a D1 school. Um, Davidson is a D1 school. Mercer also D1 so like you can reach out and kind of have these conversations and spark interest because sometimes the schools that you're interested in just don't know you until you reach out to them so that's good
for as long as I've known you, you've been interested in medicine and the medical track. How was pursuing that at a school while you were also on a team? I know a lot of the times, even from my experience, it's when I was at UVA, it was really hard to pursue anything in medicine. I actually went in wanting to be pre-med and took a few classes and was like, listen, this is not going to be for me, maybe for someone else. And so how did you balance that? That is a phenomenal question. And I think the biggest thing that you have to focus on, and it's hard when you're 18, year old, 18 years old coming into school thinking about you know what you're interested in, but if you know that you're serious about pursuing a even major that's very time intensive, that has to be part of the recruiting process. And that needs to be communicated with certain coaches because these coaches are in a position to, they're, even though they, I don't think it's by, I don't think they necessarily want their student athletes to feel as though they're having to give up their entire experience. I mean, obviously, if you're going to college, you're wanting to get an education. So I don't think they want them to feel as though that that's kind of being put on put on the back burner. But their job as a coach is to have a successful team. Um, yes. And so <laughs> if you're over here studying for chemistry, you know, that's going to be taken away from time that you could be putting up shots, taking free throws. You know, mentally, it's going to wear on you. Mm-hmm. And coaches realize that. But I think if you are upfront when you're communicating with these coaches and say, listen, this is something that I'm interested in doing. Do you have any student athletes that have majored in X, Y, and Z or that are going along to X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest telltale. Um, there are currently three. One student graduated two years before me. That's a fourth year at UNC Medical School. And another one went to ECU okay. from Elon. Yeah. So knowing that I wanted to do something, I was kind of all over the place in terms of I didn't know if I really wanted to do nursing, medicine, or PT. But seeing individuals that had graduated from Elon do those things mm-hmm. was a great sign to me that if that were really what I wanted to do, I'd have the opportunity to pursue that. That's good to know. Um, I know a lot of times, and I've heard these stories from girls who, and even on teams that I had been on, that wanted to pursue this major, whatever it would have been. Maybe it was medicine, maybe it was business. And it's very intensive. Right. I mean, school is intensive. You're a student athlete. Student comes first for a reason. Right. Um, and they get to the school and then... You know, throughout the whole recruiting process, they're entertaining the dream of you wanting to be whatever you're saying. And then you get there and they're like, actually, you know, we're not doing, we're not going to do this um, because I can't move practice for you. And so I know, like, did you ever have to move practice? Did your, was your coach open to that? And how did those conversations go? So I have, my coach was one of the best blessings in my life because you are exactly right, Sydney. There were times where it was very inconvenient for me to be a science major. There were times where... I mean, when you want to enter a healthcare field, it's not internships. You need to shadow. You need to have those experiences in clinics, things like that. And that rarely went along with our schedule. So when I had these conversations with my coach, she she told us, she was very upfront. She said, you know, you're here to get an education. I want you to pursue at the ball is going to stop bouncing. That's what she would always say to us. So she wanted us to be able to pursue those things. But we did have to demonstrate to her that we were able to balance and take care of take care of our business on the court as well as in the classroom. Mm. A lot of my teammates, whether it be they weren't necessarily driven to pursue things outside of basketball or didn't know or take an initiative to learn about opportunities, a lot of them were basketball players. They did well in school, but didn't necessarily take the initiative to do things outside of that for their for their own desires. Right. You were able to leverage your sport mainly through your academics. Were there any things that um, you know, internships or clinicals, things that you were able to take advantage of that you feel 
people should just know about if they're interested in going into the field that you're in and absolutely things like that um again i think medicine's unique in the fact that there aren't necessarily internships if you can get any it's just hard to get healthcare experience if you don't have certain certifications or a degree or have been trained so when you're doing things in terms of summer it's just hard you have a summer off you know you're still training for whatever sport basketball um your time's limited so it's it's difficult to get a job for three months over the summer. Right. So my advice would be to shadow. If you are interested in healthcare professional, any sort of healthcare profession, you want to identify those individuals and take advantage. I mean, if you're at a school, you have a team position. They are going to know people that know people that open doors that you can shadow. I was able to shadow our men's orthopedic surgeon when I was at Elon, which was awesome. So I think those experiences are super invaluable if you're wanting to enter healthcare professions. Mm-hmm. Like we've talked a little bit about how you were able to kind of have these conversations with a coach about what it would look like to pursue medicine and science. Um, but what did that look like on a day-to-day basis in terms of on travel days, right. uh, talking to your professors? I think that's another beast that people don't talk about. Like, right. yeah, you have to get your coach bought into that and that's great. But then sometimes I know there were situations with me and I wasn't even in medicine where um, I'm getting into higher level classes and my professor's like, you cannot miss more right. than two classes. And we're in the middle of the season conference play and we're missing often so what were those conversations like with your professors i'd say it's pretty tough i mean just being completely transparent it's tough it's nice if you have professors that understand the commitment that you've made when you decide to be a college athlete but of course it's a tough conversation and i think it's bigger than just you as an athlete you do have to take the initiative but we had travel letters i don't know if you guys had travel letters we did. so you introduce yourself obviously to the professor at the beginning of the year and say hello my name is you know lauren and these are the dates you have a sheet of these are the dates that i will not be here and it's on you know you you take the initiative to say if i'm missing this assignment if i'm missing this quiz i want to handle that on this date and i think when you're very organized in your approach it's difficult to it's difficult to not try to work with those, you know, work with the students. But of course that does happen. Definitely. It does happen. But I think it's important to just be your own advocate in those times. A little side story for me, a lot of professors, when you come in and you're actually about your business and you have your papers and you are talking about, you know, just showing interest in the class and coming up with a game plan for when when you're missing and how you're going to make it up, they love it and they respond really well. But I did have a few professors. One of my favorite, actually, my favorite professor at UVA was actually one of the hardest people on me when it came to missing class. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, he loved me as a student and I loved him as a professor. But he was like, this is a higher level class and you need to be around. And so the compromise for me was we were in the middle of the season and we were getting into, you know, conference play. So we were missing this often. He was like, well, for every day you miss, you have to do an eight page paper on the reading and I was like, okay, but when I looked down, I was missing five days. And that's a lot of writing, you know, like eight pages, five days, do the math. That's a lot of writing on on top of my other work. Like I had to do the reading and respond. And so it really just comes down to how dedicated you are, but also like being strategic about what class you needed. I needed that class. Um, I could have taken any other class. I just knew I wanted him as my professor because I would learn a lot more there. So that was a compromise I was willing to make. And I think it was great. It just took a lot more heart in that time because, and just more time management because that was a whole nother beast I had to right. deal with while in season. Right. 
Okay, so how did your academic advisor, study hall, tutoring kind of play into your success as an, as an academic who was also an athlete? And do you feel like, do you wish that there were any changes that, that could have been made or do you feel like you were well equipped? So we had a program where when you first came in as a freshman, you're, you were assigned an academic advisor and they were based on a team. So we had our women's basketball academic advisor, who was awesome. But when you came in, you know, obviously they had your your transcripts, SAT, ACT scores. They put everyone in the same boat in terms of you have X amount of study hall hours that you have to accomplish in a week. At the end of that semester, depending on your GPA, you could not have study hall hours. So I was fortunate enough to only have study hall hours my first semester when I was in school. But it could change if you do, you know, if you have a tough semester, you're going to be back in study hall. So it was almost like a, listen, we're here if you need us. If you don't, you know, if you don't want to take advantage of the amazing resources we have, or if you feel like you don't necessarily need them, that's great. You're able to kind of manage your own time. But I think study hall was great for me because even though initially I was like, all right, this is kind of a headache. I'd rather just study when I'd like to study. I don't want to be confined to a certain area. And that was kind of my attitude when I initially went in. Mm -hmm. But I think it really helped me develop the time management in terms of scheduling after practice. Even if I'm not in the study hall room, I'm going to dedicate these next four hours to getting my work done. I think that was pretty foundational in terms of my study schedule throughout school, even though I was not technically in our study, we had a study hall area just for the athletics. All right. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you said that because we had something very similar. Okay. And I know not all, like I transferred at some point in my career. So I got a chance to kind of hear about how other programs were doing their things. And not all programs were as kind as to give you agency once you had proven that you were, you know, a good student. Right. But at UVA, we did get that. Okay. And I think, you know, you said that it helped you kind of put forth that time management and understanding yes. like when you need to study. And I agree with you. I didn't had never really thought of it like that. Right. But my first year at UVA, we would go in after practice. We right. would, like we, There were certain times we'd kind of all just go in together. We didn't actually have assigned hours. We okay. would have to go see our advisor at right. some point though. And honestly, I loved my advisor so much. Um, I had two over the course of my time at UVA. Both were phenomenal. And it was really easy to go see them. I know in particular the academic advisor I had towards the end of my career at UVA, he really made an impression on me because yeah. he helped me. He entertained my thoughts right. of what I wanted to be outside of college. Right. And I think he was really a goldmine for me. Like if I could thank him, I totally would. And I, I like to everyone who really played a part in my career, but for him, he knew that I just had interests outside of basketball right. and that basketball would end at some point. Right. And I think he really did a good job of, for the girls who who wanted to be more than just, just athletes. Right. He was talking about the future with them and other opportunities, whether it was study abroad or internships. Right. And so I felt like we were really set up no matter which way you wanted to take. Maybe you were just an athlete just that just wanted to be the player and you just you were in the gym more than you were studying. Fine. He was there for you and helping you figure out your classes. But on the other end, if you were the athlete, that was like, when I leave this school, I want to be set up for the rest of my life. He was definitely there for you as well. And I thought that was a really unique situation. Yeah. As you pursue your medical degree, do you feel that Elon has really set you up to be successful? I know one of the biggest things is you were under scholarship, so you walked out debt-free and you were able to kind of use, I guess, whatever money you would have put towards that to further your education now. But um, do you really feel like you got a strong foundation while you were there? Yes. So I'll speak to two aspects of that. The first, you brought the financial. That is a huge piece. 
huge piece. I have classmates now that, I mean, school is expensive. I was really fortunate to get into a less expensive school. I'm going to a state school currently, which is nice. It's a little cheaper, but it's expensive. And so if people are having to, you know, fund school using loans as well as they've already had undergraduate loans, it adds up and it adds up quickly. So I think that financial piece was huge and something that, you know, I'm super grateful for. But outside of that, in terms of education wise, absolutely. I feel as though going to a smaller school, I went to a pretty large high school and I never felt like I had a small school type, private school type experience. And that is exactly what I got at Elon. and was very conducive to my learning style. I was challenged. I took very difficult courses. You know, when I was in a classroom, I always felt like I was pretty average, slightly below average student wise, honestly. Yeah. But that I, I felt like I could just, you know, work a little harder than the next person to try to keep up. But Elon afforded me the opportunity to do research, which is like super big, especially if you're trying to um, go to medical school specifically. And so having that exposure has been awesome. It's, it's carried me even now. I have conversations with different professors and stuff while I'm in school. And my classes were very, very challenging mm-hmm. when I was at Elon. And I think that that prepared me. I mean, medical school is definitely a beast. Yeah, it's definitely a beast, but I think Elon has prepared me well in terms of academics. That's awesome. But outside of that, so we've talked about basketball, we've talked about medical school and pursuing that even before you got there in undergrad, but you are on the board at Elon and that is no small deal. Can you please explain a little bit about that and how that opportunity came about? Yes. So every year Elon selects one senior to be what they call a youth trustee. So there are around 40 members on the board of trustees and the board of trustees is responsible for voting on major decisions at the school. We actually had a president that was there for 19 years and he stepped down. So we had to hire a president during my term and really just talk about how you can advance the school. We had a strategic plan that we just passed a few months ago, which was cool. And I think it has really helped me more so in terms of like networking. I've met a lot of great people that have just shared who all have a heart for Elon. So we have that in common, but have just shared their life stories. And I think that's what's been the most beneficial point. Um, when there was a lady on our, on, she's currently on the board, that was the CEO of Wendy's at one time. Wow. And and as a female, I, it, I just love to see female in leadership positions. So being, I feel like it served as also a, a point for me to be able to give back and share my student perspective. A lot of the board members have been removed from school for a long time. You know, so when we're voting and talking about decisions, it's nice to say, okay, well, I graduated two years ago. This is what I, you know, face as a student. Obviously, I can't speak and advocate for every single student, but it, I'm able to share my perspective, and I feel like that's what really, it's very beneficial. Yeah. So it sounds like you took advantage of your time at Elon. Like, I don't think you left any book unturned or anything like that. Is there anything that you wish you would have taken better advantage of at yes. all? Yes. Specifically, and I think it's difficult when you're a college athlete, you surround yourself, you're always with your teammates, right? You're always with athletes and you have this sort of, it's a comfort thing, you know? Definitely. You see the same people, you know the same people. And so you have to be very intentional about fostering relationships outside of athletics and outside of your teammates, which is difficult because a lot of times, specifically in college, you it's just a scheduling thing. I mean, a lot of people want to, you know, stay out and hang out, which is a lot of fun to do, but it's hard to do when you have to wake up for 5 a.m. weights. 
Um, definitely. <laughs> exactly. So I think I definitely made an effort to do so and connect with individuals. And I feel like I have, I have a lot of successful relationships that I earn people that are near and dear to me that were not associated with athletics. But I wish I made more of an intentional effort to do so earlier on um, while I was in school. With all of this being said, do you have, like, you definitely leveraged your time at Elon to help you with the rest of your life. You kind of have set yourself up really well. And I know there's a lot of women and aspiring college athletes that want to do the same. They know that basketball is a tool that they can use to get their education paid for, which is huge, but also just like set themselves up. So do you have any advice for an aspiring college athlete or current college athlete that wants to leverage their time in athletics for the rest of their career? Yes. I think the biggest thing is communication. Um, But what comes before that is understanding. So you have to sit down and think about what you want. I think that's something I really struggled with was I was surrounded by a bunch of athletes that kind of, I felt like really knew what they wanted in programs um, and what what they wanted to do. But I think it's important to really sit down, you know, yourself, your family, think about, okay, what's important to me? Is it the program size? Is it the coach? Is it, you really have to think about your priorities and be transparent and communicate that during the recruiting process. With that being said, coaches change left and right, programs change, things are rarely, you know, won't always be consistent even when you're at that program. But I think if you know what you want, what you're looking for in a program, it makes it, it makes transition so much easier. So yeah, I think communication. That's awesome. Yeah. Lauren, thank you so much. Thank for you so much on. for having me. This was really good and I think it'll be helpful to a lot of people. Well, thank you. And I think that will do it for today's podcast, guys. I think Lauren had a lot of awesome things to say. And for those of you guys who are looking to leverage your college athletic career for the rest of your life, I think this podcast kind of gave a lot of great advice. Um, For anybody who is looking to go into a science-based field, I think Lauren had a lot of great things to say. And one of my biggest hopes for anybody who's listening to this podcast, whether it's a parent of an aspiring college athlete or that athlete themselves is that I think you should definitely be able to use your career to prep yourself for the rest of your life. As you can see, you know, Lauren got her education paid for and is now in medical school and left undergrad debt free. And I think that's huge. And I think a lot of women don't necessarily have to be the highest recruited to do so. Um, You can definitely meet those goals and work towards that at whatever level you're at. But as always, I can't wait to see you guys next week. Here are a few housekeeping things. Please leave a comment or a rating for this podcast. That would be awesome because it helps this podcast grow and reach more people. If you feel so inclined, please follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at Retired College Athletes. And also our website, www.retiredcollegeathletes.com. If you know of anyone who you think would be good on this podcast or you have questions that you want answered for this podcast, anything like that, please go to the website. There's a contact page. You can leave a comment or send an email through that. And that would really help me kind of understand what you want to hear about and how I can better utilize this podcast to answer pressing questions. So as always, guys, have a great week. I can't wait to talk to you again next week.